Welcome to Fucked Up Fables. If ruining your childhood is something you enjoy, then you've come to the right place. The theme is weddings, and this is actually our last wedding episode. Um, so are we getting a Hera-centric episode? She's the of, goddess of marriage, right? More like <laughs> fucking meddling. No, because fuck Hera. <laughs> so <laughs> I considered it, and then I said, fuck you, Hera. So no Hera today. She gets nothing. Um, so today I thought we could take a break from the Greek mythology for a, a smidge. Greek mythology <laughs> comes back next month, don't worry. <laughs> um, we're going to travel to a little itty-bitty place in Africa. So we're going to take a deep dive into what is probably the second most well-known pantheon. Um, I lump Greek and Roman together because they're so intermixable, you know? Um, so we are going to be talking about Egyptian mythology today. Wait, I can't do it. What's a walk like an Egyptian dance? Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do some slight touches of Egyptian flair. Mine's <laughs> more mine's more medieval Italian, but whatever. <laughs> Wait, we have the gold. Yeah. Uh, we went with gold, you know? I got the gold light going on. It's we just did gold. <laughs> no, it's fine. Gold we count. We didn't want to do too costumey on the Egyptian. There you go. We I mean, got they a, have some of the best outfits, though. They did. They're gorgeous. Gorgeous like, people. Yeah. Gorgeous. Bring it back. Bring it back. Not, not inspired. I want, like, the full. Full on. Back. Yes. Yes. They're gorgeous. So, um, Anyway, so I'm sure some people know a lot about Egyptian mythology. Some people may not. And I'm sure everyone's like, what story do you have that involves marriages? Well, this involves not just one marriage, but two marriages. <laughs> and by marriage, I mean, like I mentioned it in a sentence in this whole like 45,000, 4,500 words. So it's like a message. It's like 45,000 words. Yeah, I know. Woo! 40, 40 over, over, let me go change this tea to some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when I say it involves a marriage, I'm, you, you know me. I, I'm going to stretch it a little bit. Um, so, like a hint of a marriage somewhere, since, so, if we follow your theme. <laughs> yeah, so I went a little bit more with, like, at a wedding, there's the exchanging of vows, and there's usually a line that goes, like, till death do us part, or for as long as we both shall live, or whatever, you know, it is that involves, like, we're married until one of us dies. So this story is about Isis and Osiris, and it is a love story, if you will, um, between two people who are, in fact, married. They do get married, I swear. Um, but it's like a love that transcends death. So, like, there is no till death do us part. It, they they go beyond that. Zombie love. Um, yeah, so, like, they don't, they don't let it stop them from their love, which I thought was, to round out the whole month, I thought it was kind of perfect. Um, but don't worry, it is pretty fucked up. <laughs> fucked up tables, come on now. Um, so content warning for this episode, there is death, rape, incest, murder, dismemberment, necrophilia, cannibalism, and zombies. That, that, that warning was just for me. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I'm sure there are some other people who don't like zombies. So, you know, I kept, I try to keep it all minimal, but I just forewarned. See? I blame my intense fear of zombies on growing up across the street from a funeral home. 
(laughs) (laughs) Like, that does something to a child. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I can. Sweeney Todd was probably a lot of fun to watch. I was an adult when I saw Sweeney Todd. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't change the fact that... (laughs) It probably made you question some things from your child. Actually... Actually, it was the uh, Night of the Living Dead. Ooh, with <laughs> that the rain. Mm. That was my first introduction to zombies. Sorry, I had a notebook on. And, you know, like, I saw body bags from a very young age. So I made the connection. And it just sort of stuck with me. They also had a poor choice of flower so they like the where they brought the bodies up to the back of the funeral home i could directly see that from like my bedroom and they had these flowers planted roses planted along the side and they're the tiger roses which are typically typically but theirs were more white with red speckles and i was 100 convinced as a child it was blood on these white roses so i never horrifying (laughs) yeah so i have a long long deep dark past with a fear of zombies well okay i again i kept it minimal so if you're like titania here it is very (laughs) i just wanted to throw it out there so someone's not like you did not mention this okay i like to cover (laughs) so um just like with greek mythology i am not an expert on egyptian mythology or culture i just have done a lot of research because it interests me um i've probably invested more time into Egyptian culture than any other culture. Um, thank you, sixth grade book about mummification. <laughs> Did you get to mummify a chicken too? Uh, no, I actually read a book and then immediately deep dove at the library on everything dealing with how people were mummified. So I have an exuberant amount of useless information about the mummification process of a person. In a... Oh grade we actually mummified a chicken if you ever want to be mummified i'm your girl (laughs) that's what i'm saying (laughs) um but again research has its limits so i'm going to try and do my best i apologize for any of the names in this um i don't speak egyptian or hieroglyphs so it's gonna be a little complicated um yeah so like with greek and roman mythology norse is like the only exception to this rule there are a lot of different accepted versions of it so there are a lot of different versions of this particular story only because one of the gods horus um has like 20 different origin stories based on where in egypt you were from at the time um and they're all like accepted so like the version that I remembered when I started this was a mesh of three different versions. I had no idea. So it, I apologize. It might be a little weird. Um, so yeah, I think this version is the Osirian version. The other really popular one is called the solar version of Horus. And really, it's just how Horus came to be the god that he is. So like who gave birth to him and what his powers were just kind of determines the version of it. Um, so enough with that boring stuff, we're going to go on to the story now. So, in the days of ancient Egypt, the sun was seen as the creator of all life in the universe, and thus Ra was born. Uh, for those of you who know your Egyptian pictures, he is the one with the falcon head in those pictures. Usually has like a big old disc behind him, a sun. Um, so he is the god of the sun, sky, kings, 
order and he ruled over the sky and the earth so he was kind of like the god of all gods um so through him all life was created and flourished he has like a shit ton of kids who have their own kids yada 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 boom gods so as Ross starts to grow older because unlike greek and roman gods egyptian gods can die and they also age um he starts to gain the ability to have prophecies so he starts to get these visions and one of these visions in particular involves a child of Nut who was going to be born, overthrow him, and end his reign as god of all gods. He did not want this. So Nut is the goddess of stars, cosmos, astronomy, mothers, etc. So she is typically depicted like when you're looking at pictures of the gods, she's just a plain woman who has a jug on her head, like a pot or a jar on her head. Um, that that's not um so Ra, not wanting to have his reign end decides to put a curse on nut so he decrees that she will never bear a child on any day of the year which is a pretty intense curse <laughs> so that's just i curse you to not have children <laughs> like... yes he's like you will never bear a child on any day of the year like he thoroughly squashes it because he knows that if she has a child, it's going to kill him, basically. So Nut, obviously devastated, um, kind of goes and visits this other god called Toth, I believe is how it's pronounced. So he is the god of magic and wisdom. And so he kind of she kind of tells him the story, like, hey, I've been cursed by Ra, I need your help. Now, Toth is a child of Ra, so he is a son of Ra, but he absolutely loved Nut as if she was his own mother, and so he decides, I will help you out, like, I have this infinite wisdom. Give me some time, though, because it's not going to be easy. Like, he's the supreme god, what he says goes, there's not much I can do to remove the curse, but I might be able to find some loophole here that we can, like, exploit and work with. Just give me a little bit of time. So Nut agrees, and Toth begins his quest. So he goes to the god Kisu and challenges him to a contest. So Kisu is the moon god, and he controls the nights. So he is the one who, I don't want to say pulls the moon across the sky, but that's basically his job. He, he's the one that moves the moon where it needs to go. So... Kisu um, and Toth begin this game, and they start to go, like, round after round. It says a game of fate. I don't remember what it was. I didn't yeah. It was, like, a, a not-okay game that they play. I'm pretty sure it was, like, a game of famine or some shit with, like, mortal people. Like, they... <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> their, their game was not a good game. <laughs> so they're, like, betting more and more as each round goes and then kisu kind of gets a little cocky and he decides that he's going to bet some of his light so his moonlight is what he bets and he loses and when he loses this he's like uh, i'm done i don't want to play anymore so toth takes his winnings which includes these this moonlight from kisu and he transforms it into four extra dates so, this is how they kind of explain the phases of the moon. So, with the moon's rays missing, he couldn't fully keep the moon lit all through, like, through each lunar cycle. So, as his power dwindles, 
during the lunar cycle, the moon, you know, becomes less and less until it's, what is it, a new moon when there's no light? And yeah. then he recharges and it goes back. So that's how they talk about the cycle of the moon. So now that we have four new days in the year, Toth goes to Nut and he grants them to her. And with these new days, she is able to give birth and she has four kids. So in order, they are Osiris, Set, Isis, and Nephthys. So Osiris is the god of earth and vegetation. Set is the god of storms and deserts. And he's actually quite heavily compared to Typhon in Greek mythology, which is the god of storms. Um, Isis is a goddess of the moon and magic. And she is who women and children would typically pray to for protection. So she's like a a goddess of childbearing and life and like a protector. Um, and then Nephthys is probably the least well-known god, minus Kisu, <laughs> that I just named. I'm, the other ones are kind of like big names in Egyptian mythology. Um, but she is a goddess of death, if you will. Um, so she is who you would pray to when performing your funerary rites and rituals. Um, she's also a goddess of night, magic, beer, interestingly enough. Um, <laughs> her and Osiris actually hold domain over the mummies, which is important later. I got zombies, mummies, it's kind of, you know. I... You saw my face. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> So with the birth of Osiris came all of these wonders that echoed throughout the world. And then there were like voices and whispers that kind of traveled throughout the land, telling that Osiris would become a good and mighty king and he would bring joy and happiness to all of the land. But in order for him to become this great king, Ra needed to give up his throne. And even though Ra was aging, he was not conceding this throne. So Osiris was set to take over Ra's place. So... Rod, so are, they, yeah. are they not immortal? So we're going to kind of get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the short answer is no. They, unlike a lot of other pantheons, they can die, they can be killed, and they can also age. So like Ra gets really fucking old and like it shows. Whereas like okay. in Greek mythology, they don't really ever die or age. And Norse mythology, we only have, like, literally two books about, so there's kind of a lot of unknown with Norse okay. mythology. Um, so, yeah. Short answer, yes. <laughs> um, so, Ra's supreme power um, came from the secret name that his father, Nu, had given him. So, Nu would be, like, a primordial being, if you will. Um, and he's who gave birth to Ra, who gave mm. birth to the sun. Um, but he kept this name hidden, so it's hidden in Ra's heart, which I will kind of explain why that's important a little bit later. Um, so no one knows the secret name other than Ra and Nu, and obviously Nu's not giving it up because he's a primordial being. So as these four little babies grow up, um, they get married. Yay, marriage! <laughs> Yay, Egyptian culture! Ancient Egyptian culture of sibling marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you gotta keep the bloodline in the bloodline. Yeah. So so Isis marries Osiris and Nephthys marries Set, and that was like the tradition. So as gods, they could only marry another god. And the pharaohs of ancient Egypt, kind of like you were talking about, they follow this rule. Um, so they would typically marry their siblings for the same reason. Royalty could only marry royalty. And the ruling class typically claimed lineage from the gods, which made it 
extra pressureful to marry someone who also came from a godly family. So that's why we see a lot of the pharaohs marrying their sisters because of this. So that's the way that it was. I feel like this is kind of common for a lot of cultures, though, where like yeah, who has to marry half works. Yeah, so like you would marry your sibling or first cousin or something like that to keep like the yeah. No, I will say that in most like Christian cultures, you had to be a certain distance away. From like you couldn't yeah. marry your sibling necessarily, but you could marry a certain cousin or something, unless you had dispensation from the Pope, which yeah. sometimes they would give. But yeah, incest was a bad thing, and I kind of feel like you know how Christianity likes to go into cultures, adopt some things, and then make rules against other things. I sort of feel like Christianity went into a culture where incest was okay and went. Mm, no, that's not okay. You have to be second cousins or something. Right. <laughs> you have to be a little bit more removed than that. Yeah. yeah. But we'll allow a little bit of it, but not, not yeah. too much. <laughs> but it, like for Europe, we see a lot of them marrying their like second, third, fourth cousins or whatever, but it was more like because they ruled over another kingdom. So it's like the joining of kingdoms all throughout. The Habsburgs were the worst because that's the main example we have of the effects of marrying your own bloodline and the descendants and whatnot from the from the same blood. Don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Rule number 71. Don't marry siblings <laughs> right it, it never leads anywhere good <laughs> bad for the genetic pool yeah <laughs> so um as time goes on isis and osiris try to uncover this hidden name of Ra and found themselves like unable to do it like he just was not budging on giving anything away so every day Ra would make this like walk from his like personal room to the throne room where he would sit and he was always followed by like these advisors and servants like I don't want to say slaves because I feel like they were actually servants like the people who just served under the like minor gods I guess is what they were because I'm like they're not getting it on with mortals at all like it's going to be like minor gods and stuff but you know like they They helped him, you know, like, make degrees, make decisions, you know, anoint people. So I don't feel like slave is the proper word here. I think servant and, like, they they choose the word companions, but I feel like they're more like his trusted advisors and servants and that sort of thing. Um, So he sits on the throne, makes some degrees, and then the next morning, or that evening, because he's the sun god, so he's only out when the sun is out, he would retire to his room and then the next morning start this whole thing all over again. So Isis starts seeing this pattern and she devises a plan because <laughs> Ra's nasty. Oh, I just spit everywhere. <laughs> That's like that? <laughs> What's really funny is it's 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 exactly like that. <laughs> so one day while Ra is spouting his nonsense or whatever thing he's going on about, he gets a little too worked up like I just did, and he just spits while he talks, right? <laughs> so she sees the spot where this spit lands and once he and his people have like left the throne room she makes a beeline for it um she like gathers up some surrounding earth to cover it and then uses her magic to create a snake and this snake 
<laughs> is invisible to both gods and mortals. So like no god or man can see the snake. And then she fills it with venom. So the next day, when Ra oh, comes out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do you have? I don't understand why. Like why are you gonna overthrow your your god ruler? Like why? So why? Ra is not a great god. Like he's not a good guy. He's not really a bad guy either, but like he's I don't want to use like the word tyrant, but he's kind of shitty. <laughs> like he's just like a shitty person. Um, they wanna get rid of a shitty ruler and they think they can be better. <laughs> yes, yes. And Osiris is, like, foreseen to be this, like, good, kindly, amazing king. So they definitely want to get rid of Ra. Um, okay. Why no one else wants to join in, I don't know. But it's really just <laughs> Osiris and Isis doing this. <laughs> so, and does he know that girl wound up with babies? I mean, I'm assuming he does. But you'd think that if he was... You'd think that if he cursed somebody to not be able to have children, he would then kill the offspring immediately, right? Right. Like so I'm going to go with no, he doesn't know that they are Newt's kids. Um, whether they omit that knowledge or he's just old and senile, it's never fully explained. But based on the way that things happen, I don't think that he knows who they belong to. Okay. <laughs> that's why I was like but I don't under I don't, what <laughs> <laughs> you're turning into me now <laughs> I have so many questions <laughs> alrighty you're so. going to love March in <laughs> <laughs> March I may not be able to answer all these questions okay <laughs> so she makes a snake fills it with venom and then the next day Ra comes out He's, you know, following the same path that he follows every fucking day. And the snake is just waiting there for him. Now, remember, no one can see the snake. So it's just invisible lying there. So when he walks, like, right by it, excuse me, it lunges out and bites him and injects all of its poison into him. So Ra starts screaming and writhing on the floor, and he's, like, speaking in tongues. I just imagine that he's just going absolutely batshit crazy from this, because, <laughs> I mean, it's obviously excruciating. So his companions are, like, horrified, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? Are you, like, is this you dying? What? We don't know what to do. Like, we've never seen this happen before. What's going on? So they summon all of the other gods. <laughs> this old guy drops to the ground and just starts screaming like a mad person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen often. Come on now. <laughs> so they are like, okay, we need to get everyone that we possibly can here. So they summon all of these other gods so that they can try and figure out what's going on. Because Ra mm -hmm. is like... I'm in this pain. It's burning, but it's not fire. It like I feel ice cold, but it doesn't feel like it's water. Like something has bitten me, and I don't know what, and I don't know what they did to me. 
So all of the gods arrive, and it's kind of like a mixed audience. So some people are like concerned, and then some just kind of look on coldly while he lies there dying. Like Osiris and, and uh, Isis. And Isis. <laughs> people like plotted this, which means if you're ever in this situation, rather than looking at the person horrifically, look around the room. And those who are either looking celebratory or just cold and calm, those are your suspects. (laughs) Usually how it goes. (laughs) So Isis steps up to offer her abilities as a healer so that she can help find the cause and use her powers to help fix it, which obviously makes sense. She is a healing goddess. So she determines by looking him over and with her own knowledge that he has been bitten by a snake and has been poisoned because the snake was venomous. So, tearfully, she's a great actress. She tells him that it's beyond her power to heal, but that if Ra would give her his names, she could use that power to heal him, thus making him whole again. Because she doesn't have the power to do it. I mean, I know she's lying, but, like, if I'm standing next to this lady and I'm like... You're the goddess of healing and it's just a snake. Why can't you fix this? It's beyond her healing capabilities, you know? Yes, I call shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) So Ra was like, I don't want to do this. But as he feels himself growing weaker and weaker and like this venom is just like pumping itself through his body, it becomes unbearable for even a god. So he is at his wit's end. So finally he speaks and he says, I am Kipera at morning, Ra at high noon, and Tum at evening. And Isis just kind of sits there and stares him down for like a good solid minute. You know, while the (laughs) venom's coursing through his veins. (laughs) Right. And she's just like, if you speak your secret name it will be within my power to end your suffering then. Like, she's like, what you said is murder. (laughs) End your suffering means murder. (laughs) (laughs) So the venom is racing for Ra's heart, and he feels like this cold fear wash over him at the knowledge that he is about to die. And at the very last possible second, he gives in and he says, it is my will that Isis know my secret name, it shall leave my heart and enter hers, and then literally dies, like, boom, right then and there. Yeah, he dies. So the sunboat, so like, in Greek mythology, it's chariots, in Egyptian mythology, it's boats, which kind of makes sense based on, like, where they're from and their culture and stuff. So the boat that holds the sun that carries it across the sky, the sun is now gone. There is no sun anymore. And there's, like, eerie darkness kind of settles over. Yeah. What you gonna do about no sun? (laughs) So so Isis, like, like, it takes a minute, you know, he's gone. And then she suddenly feels this power enter her. And Mm -hmm. she knows that it is the name of Ra, the secret name that he gave her to give her his powers. And with these new powers, she brings Ra back to life. So then the sun returns, and Ra is once again before the gods, but he's no longer a god. Like, he's still Ra, he's this old, decrepit man. Exactly, he no longer has his powers. So Ra is now gone, 
And with him gone, Osiris is crowned king and the supreme ruler of all. But, like, did he ask for them back? No. <laughs> well, he no. was just like, cool, peace. So, I'm going to go now. So my understanding and belief is that she used his power to bring him mm. back to life. So she also no longer has this power. Okay. Because the rest of the story doesn't make sense if she has this power. So that's just my understanding is that she took the power on. Like, she kills him, which ends his rule, takes on his power, and then uses his power to give him back his life. Okay. You you can't, (laughs) what is it, equivalent exchange, you know? You have to give up something to get something. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) You're seeming really suspect right now. (laughs) Smidge. (laughs) They're not serial killers, I promise. Everything I read winds up being a serial killer, so can you blame me for being a little bit hesitant here? (laughs) I did not have these questions when I was going over this story again, for the record. (laughs) So Osiris is crowned king, and he... He takes the position quite seriously. So he looked down to the mortal plane of Earth and found that man was a savage being who lived, who knew only fighting and killing and eating each other because they had, they had no other knowledge on like how to make food, prepare food, hunt. Like they had no knowledge of any of this. So, um, Sorry, I just totally blanked on it. <laughs> okay. So they're killing, they're eating each other, right. So Isis shows her lord husband this wheat and barley that man has available. They just don't know how to use it. Like, it just grows wild. They don't know how to cultivate it or use it or anything. So Osiris travels down to the mortal earth, and he shows them how to work the fields, like planting and harvesting the grains. Shows them how to water the crops. Um, when the optimum, optimum, op, optimum time <laughs> to like harvest corn is, he shows them how to make flour. And now that they have flour, they can now make bread. Um, he shows them ways to create vineyards and how to make grapes so that they can make wine. And then super important. What? Super important. Uh, it is. And since they have barley, he teaches them how to craft beer. So Osiris then teaches them how to hunt and gather meat. He teaches them like how to prepare the meat, how to carve up the animals, how to make the leather, um, how to make weapons. He teaches them about law and order so that they can help govern themselves. He teaches them the arts. So they do music and poetry and then use that to kind of like bring peace to their savage ways. So he does all of this for the people of Egypt, and they just kind of live in this harmonious, amazing world that Osiris brought them. So with Egypt in this peace and harmony, Osiris sets out to other lands to spread the same knowledge to these savage beings. And in his stead, he leaves Isis in charge of Egypt because she is his wife. Um, And she is just as gracious and knowledgeable as her husband and is like the perfect ruler in his place. Like they are like one whole um, so everyone is like super happy. Everything's going great, except for one, because there always has to be one person who doesn't like it. And that one, what? 
Raw came back. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, nope, not Raw. So Set, their brother, forgot about ah, him. Sibling. <laughs> so he was super envious of Osiris. He was just as smart, just as knowledgeable, like he had everything that Osiris has. But Osiris was given the title of king and allowed to rule and be worshipped because he was the firstborn. It's the only difference between I would just like to point out that his sister actually did all of this work for Osiris. So really, he should be pissed at her for not choosing him. Just (laughs) But why would she choose him? She's married to Osiris. Just saying. Like, don't be mad at Osiris. He didn't do anything. (laughs) Nicest. Well, that doesn't see it that way. Behind every great man. (laughs) It started even back then. Yeah, it really did. Um, So he gets this, like, uncontrollable rage at his brother until it reaches a boiling point, and he's decided that the only way that he will feel justified and get what he wants is to murder Osiris. Because that's the logical solution involves murder. At least back then. Not in real life. Not in real life. Always. We always gotta, you know, kill somebody. (laughs) We are not responsible for your murders. (laughs) Rule number two, don't murder. Rule number one is (laughs) murder is bad, okay? (laughs) So Osiris is away doing like his whole kingly, godly thing to everywhere else. But Set knows that he can't do anything while Isis is on the throne. She's kind of all-seeing, not like literally all-seeing, but like he knows that she's going to see it coming from a mile away if he attempts to do anything. So he waits. And he waits. And then one day Osiris returns because he's like brought peace and harmony to the rest of the world. So Set is the first one to greet him. Like, he is right there, bowing down, and is like, oh my god, good god Pharaoh Osiris, literal quote, good god Pharaoh Osiris, (laughs) has returned. And I mean, he's like, kissing on his feet, being extra as fuck. He is going above. That right there is, if your sibling is acting like this, something is up. (laughs) So... (laughs) He tells Osiris that because of his return and for all of the good things that he has done, they're going to have this massive feast. And at this feast, they're going to have a whole bunch of presents for him because, like, we're glad you returned. And Osiris is like, "Mm, that's not necessary. I don't need that. But Set's like, no, you need to come to this feast because Set had a plan. Him and some friends, 72 friends to be exact, 72 friends. This feels very Julius Caesar. Seventy <laughs> <laughs> two friends. Senators. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they've been working hard and they had created this chest in the exact shape of Osiris with the exact I'm not it. measurements Sorry. of Osiris. About it. <laughs> ensuring that he was the only one that could fit inside of it. So like I don't know how they got his exact measurements. I'm assuming that they would just like come up and give him a hug and just like randomly like you know. go and give him a hug and have one of those flexible like seamstress um <laughs> tapes so you can hug and then drop it like all right guys back seam is <laughs> like you know that's just what I imagine that they did. 
to do to get these measurements because it's not like they're able to like grab a pair of pants and measure the inseam like we're talking ancient egypt they wore like togas and sheets and shit i I know that they weren't called togas i don't know i don't remember what they're called but they could have done the artist thing where you take your pencil and you line it up you know like in the distance and then that helps you get your perspective and sizing right when you're transferring that over to you to your we're talking like just get it from afar what are you doing no we're talking like every inch of osiris is measured out and carved like this chest is carved into an exact like did they get down in person (laughs) i don't know why they would need to but um every inch (laughs) they have to make at least i guess a little room because you know he's a guy so it doesn't just like come to a sudden v and they often mummify people with an erect penis so so it's funny that you should mention that because we're going to get real deep into mummification (laughs) because it is important in this story so just keep that penis in mind (laughs) (laughs) all right thinking I'm just saying, um, you'll understand a lot when we're done with this story. Okay. So, this chest and the exact measurements of Osiris was made from the rarest woods, none of which were found anywhere in or around Egypt. Um, It was inlaid with ivory and gold and silver, and then, like, the inside of it was this beautiful painted artwork of all of these different birds and, like, scenes of the gods. At least they made it beautiful. It was... Beautiful. Well done, done, guys. Hooray for your murder chest. (laughs) So that night, because they're going to have this party the next day. So that night, Osiris returns to his rooms because he wants to rest after a long night's journey and he wants to see Isis. So him and Isis share a lovely night together full of romance and sex. And then after the sex... Osiris starts to get, like, this uneasy feeling, like, something just isn't right, right? Because Isis wasn't acting like herself. And that's when he realizes, it's not Isis. Oh! Oh, no! Was it his brother? No, it was his sister. It was nothing. Ah, It's been the brother. (laughs) Oh! Don't even get me started. (laughs) So, Nethys, Neth, this. Sorry, her name is spelled really weird. Nephthys. <laughs> it's P-H-T-H, so Nephthys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she has always been really jealous of her sister because of she was in love with Osiris. So she wanted to be Osiris's wife more than anything, and she got stuck with Seth. So it's kind of her way of getting revenge. And as anyone knows, when you're kind of with someone who is not the greatest person, some of that can kind of rub off on you. So she kind of starts to become like this cruel goddess, which is why she tricks Osiris by taking on the form of her sister to have sex with him so she can have his baby. Yes! Oh no! She throws off her illusion. I just imagine she's like the skin, second skin, you know, like you pull off that mask. And she's like, ha, bitch, it was me the whole time. <laughs> and confirms to Osiris that it was not Isis. It was in fact her. 
and she has this like feeling of elation because she is now pregnant with child. I'm well, just that assuming that was fast. God, God's just know this shit. That's the only thing I can think of. She just knows, right? So this child is an extremely famous Egyptian god. His name is Anubis. Mm. He is a god of death who helps in the afterlife process. And he was heavily involved in the mummification process as well. And we will get more into him in a bit. <laughs> okay. I know it's like all of these names and people, but then they like come back. They keep coming back. <laughs> we'll get there. Except for so Rock. Next day, Osiris is finally able to meet up with his wife, his actual wife, not Nephthys, and tells Honey, her what's going on. Don't be mad, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was raped by our sister. Just saying. So Isis, now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Isis is like super pissed, which we obviously know. But Osiris is like, don't seek revenge on her. Like she's going through a lot. I forgive <laughs> her. You know, like she Yeah. We know how Set is. So he tells her that, you know, she's going he's going to this party that Set's throwing for him, and she's like don't go. I have a bad feeling about this, right? And he's like, there's nothing to fear. My brother, you know, our brother loves me. He would do me no harm. Yeah, so did your sister. <laughs> like, hmm. what a family, so, guys. What a family. <laughs> I know, right? Whew, I thought some fifth. If you got bad family drama, just wait. <laughs> So that night at the party, he goes and it has the best food and the best wine and the best, most beautiful dancers of all time gathered here in this party, plus Osiris and Set and 72 others. <clears throat> Just, you know, throwing out their 72. Yep. yep. 72 <laughs> senators with knives behind their backs. <laughs> <laughs> So Osiris is, like, letting himself enjoy the merriment, and he starts to feel his heart become full with, like, the love from everyone, because everyone is just showering Aww. him with love. And That's all the best time people. to rip it out when it's shining so brightly. <laughs> oh! See, it's stuff like this that, like, it's the little nuances in mythology that you find, and you're just like, holy shit, is that where they got the idea from? Yeah. Because my like, God. stardust? Yeah, exactly. And so we'll talk about it. The heart is extremely important in Egyptian mythology. And it makes me wonder because Neil yeah, Diamond. Yeah, they threw the brain in. away. But they yeah, everything's controlled by the heart. Yeah, he's uh, very into mythology. So it makes me kind of wonder if that's where he got inspired from. But anyways, we'll get to that later. I promise. We'll go over all of that. <laughs> For those who don't know. Um, so... While, you know, all this is going on, his heart is completely full. Set is like, bring in the chest. So he says, we're going to play a game. So whoever can fit into this chest gets to keep it. And everyone wants it because it's gorgeous. And it's worth a fortune. And it's the most beautiful thing they've ever seen. So one by one, the um, 72 people, senators, <laughs> walk up and attempt to, like, in this chest and like one's too tall one's too short the arms don't fit the fingers don't fit yada 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 so one by one doesn't work they're disappointed I they seem great actors if it did fit somebody though like 
someone made it with that person in mind. Like, this is not a game I would play. <laughs> so, like, not all 72 of them get into this chest, obviously. That would be a little too suspect. But, like, after a bunch of them have gone through, Osiris is like, step aside, peasants. I'm going to try my luck because I want this chest. So he climbs in and he's like, drunk. <laughs> probably <laughs> had a little too much of that wine <laughs> he climbs in he lays out and boom fits like a glove fits like a glove so he's like giddy with excitement like a schoolgirl meeting her crush and he's like it fits perfect and it's made for him and set goes yup it's all yours brother and closes the lid and then the 72 senators lay on top of it so that they can nail it shut and trap Osiris inside. And was then, Osiris really strong? <laughs> like He's a god. I'm just assuming so. <laughs> so. There's 73 gods laying on this chest and nailing it shut. <laughs> just for context. Yikes. So he's trapped inside. A little bit. What? He'll be alive for a little bit. So... <laughs> They then took some lead and poured it all over the seal to shut it completely, making sure that no air would be in there and Osiris would suffocate and die. He's got a few minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So Osiris' soul is sent to the place of testing because, as we know in Egyptian mythology, they can, in fact, die. So we're going to... Get a little bit into the afterlife, and then I'm going to talk more about it later, because origin stories, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so for now, when a person or a god dies, their soul is taken to Duat, which is essentially the word for underworld. So this is their Hades. Um, so in order to reach Duat, you need to pass a series of tests and judgments. So this is where the place of testing comes into play, and it's kind of like an in-between worlds. Um, and then once you take your tests, tests, if you are successful, you would be sent to Duat, which is kind of described like Elysium is in Greek mythology. So it's like this beautiful field. It's very lush. All of the food and water you can think of. No one's in pain. There's no sickness. No, old, like you're young again. It's just this beautiful paradise. So. I'm sure that some people might have, like, this vague memory of your heart being weighed against a feather in Egyptian afterlife. So this is one of the tests that is conducted by the goddess Mat in the Hall of Truth. So she is the goddess of order and law, and she likes all things right and just. She's just, like, a really just... She's the paladin. So... You would have a list of your sins that would be read out, and you would plead your case that, like, you didn't do them, you're not guilty. Like, they're just, like, read, like, a list of shit. It wasn't me. (laughs) Basically, like, it wasn't me, I was under duress, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Like, whatever it was to, like, plead your case that you were not guilty of these crimes for one reason or another. And then they would take your heart and put it on one side and put a feather on the other side. And if your heart was lighter than the feather, you were free to enter Duat. I will get back to this later, but I just wanted to say, yes, you are correct. This is a thing that happens in Egyptian culture. So 
back to Osiris. This whole judgment thing and like the Hall of Truth and the weighing the heart against a feather is not a thing yet. So he is just stuck in the place of testing where he'll go through like these different tests to prove that he is worthy to go to Duak. So he is dead. He dies fairly quickly. He's dead. So Set orders his 72 co-conspirators, aka senators, to take the chest and throw it into the Nile River and let like the Nile like do its thing. So the chest makes its way to the sea and eventually ends up near the roots of this tree. So just like going along and then right into a tree, right? And the essence of Osiris, because like his godly body is still there, his soul has just left him. Um, kind of like is seeping out and fills the tree, who then reaches out its roots to grab hold of the chest and pull it in. I guess I shouldn't call it a chest anymore. It's a coffin now. <laughs> it was a out. coffin from the start. Yeah. <laughs> Pulls it in and then just like grows around it. So his coffin, his chest is in- completely encased by this tree. So a passing king comes by and sees this tree and decrees that it's going to be cut down to make a pillar for everyone to see because it has this beauty and just magic emanating from it. So they yes, cut down the tree. I see something beautiful. Let's destroy it. Yeah. I mean, we do that with flowers all the time. So, you know. I always feel guilty cutting flowers. So <laughs> do I. It, yeah. Amy doesn't pluck flowers anymore because she accidentally had a spider jump out at her when she did that once. Nice. But, you know, hey, it works. Yes. Spider, you know, whatever. It's fine. It's just... So... <laughs> Um, they cut down the tree and he has it moved to his palace and no one has like noticed or realized that there is something inside of this tree because I assume where they cut it it's just like the coffin is not showing so they don't actually know what's inside of it so meanwhile while this happens Isis is distraught because the party happened and she can't find her husband anywhere and she knows in her heart of hearts that he is dead like something happened he is dead where is he? She can't find anything. So she starts going around and asking everyone at the party, including Set, what's going on? What happened to Osiris? And they're just like, I don't know. He was at the party and then he wasn't. Maybe he got drunk and fell into the Nile. You know, I don't know. So then she decides to go talk to the servants, being like, hey, what happened to Osiris? He was here at this party. Did you see anything? And they're like, now that you mention it, we did see them throw this really large chest into the Nile River, kind of vaguely in the shape of a person about Osiris's size. <laughs> Very so, specific. <laughs> now that you mention it, you couldn't give this information before. Anyways. So Isis travels down the Nile and she like asks people that she comes across down the Nile like, if they've seen this chest, trying to figure out where it went. And eventually, she ends her search at this tree that has been cut down, and she can, like, feel the magic energy from there, but that's, like, where it ends. It's just the stump of a tree. She's like, what the fuck? So she sits on the bank, like, trying to plan her course of action, trying to find the will to keep up her search, yada, yada, yada. So each day, because this goes on for a couple of days, Um, A bunch of kids come down to the river to her, and she taught them some new ways to braid their hair. (laughs) 
And then every day those kids would return to the palace because lo and behold, these kids were royalty. Oh. <laughs> so the queen started to take notice and it's like, where did you get those braids? And then, like, you have this perfume on that it just smells amazing and it's not something I've ever smelled before. Like, where, what is the scent? Where is it coming from? And they tell her it's this distraught, saddled lady sitting at the banks of the Nile. She's old? I didn't say old. Oh, did I say old? You did She's say old. old. No, distraught sad lady sorry distraught like, lady. Did she age because she was no. so sad no so she's in the banks of the Nile so the queen goes down herself in person to meet Isis and invites her to be I guess like her woman in waiting in court um and Isis accepts hoping this will like fill her void so I guess Isis in some way has like changed the way that she looked because the queen doesn't recognize her. Whether she did that because she was like trying to travel without set knowing, I don't know, but she doesn't look like her normal self. Hmm. That's why the queen doesn't know who the fuck she is. So Isis is placed in charge of caring for the queen's two children who are both very young and one of them is extremely sickly. So Isis uses her magic and her healing abilities. She uses her power of healing, heals a child, and like goes a little bit beyond that and makes them like super strong and healthy, etc. So as she's like going through this, because it's not like a sudden change, like it takes her a little bit to get her magic working, to cure him, to make him strong, healthy, beautiful. She starts to fall in love with this child as if it were her own child, which she has okay. never... I heard love and I was like, what? I had to clarify, yes. So yes. she was not given the chance to have a child with Osiris. So this is like her way of having a child that she's always wanted. Um, so she doesn't want him to die. So she decides that she's going to make him immortal. That'll be like her gift to him Aside from all the other gifts she's given him, she's going to make him immortal so, like, she never has to feel the pain of losing him. So she sets up this ritual, which involves her burning away his mortal parts and leaving his immortal soul. So, like, setting him on fire? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is gonna look great to the outside, folks. <laughs> so she turns herself into a swallow. And casts the spell and is, like, chanting and doing everything. And she, like, flies around him while her fire goes to work. And while her fire goes to work. What the fuck? While her magic goes to work. <laughs> oh, it's late, guys. So, by pure happen chance, happenstance, whatever the fuck the word is, the queen walks by. I knew it! <laughs> I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat. When's this bitch coming through to destroy this whole process? And she sees her son on fire and she freaks the fuck out, bursts into the room, and interrupts the ritual. So it fails horribly. So Isis is like furious. Child die. Um it, it doesn't it's not specified. Okay. Okay. So Isis is furious that this child will not become immortal now. So she appears in her true godly form before the queen, who 
instantly recognizes her and falls to her knees begging forgiveness and offering anything and everything that she had to the goddess to appease her. So we're talking like jewels, clothing, silk, spices, you name it, all of their wealth they are offering up to appease the god. And finally, they offer up this ginormous, beautiful pillar made of this godly tree. And Isis instantly recognizes, excuse me, the magic flowing in it and realizes that this is where Osiris's body is. Like, coffin has to be inside of there. This is it. So all she asks for is the chest out of the pillar. Um, she leaves the pillar behind, which retains its magic. And then she asks for a ship to carry them back home up the Nile. So she gets back home and Isis hides the chest among some brush because she needs to like gather some items to help him get his soul through the journey to Duat and like prepare the funeral for him and stuff. So she's like hiding the coffin so that she can gather this and do the ritual herself without anyone knowing. But as it happened, Set was on the hunt for a boar. And he hunted at night because that was like his sort of domain, if you will. And he happens by the area and he sees this weird looking brush and removes it. And boom, wouldn't you know, here's the coffin that he buried his brother in. It was really funny. He has no idea that Isis brought this back. So to him, he's like, I can't get rid of this guy. (laughs) So he's furious, obviously. She's like appeared again. So he uses all of his godly strength, just rips off this lid. I mean, it's, remember, it's nailed and leaded shut, just clean off as if it was nothing. And then he grabs Osiris's body and literally tears him to shreds. So he tears Osiris into 14 pieces and uses his amazing strength to throw them up and down the Nile all up and down the Nile, for the crocodiles to eat, because if there is no body, if they're missing a piece of his body, nothing, like, they can't do anything. Like, and then is- Isis comes back and is like, you've got to be kidding me! So she has to go find all the pieces. Not giving away my story! <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just, I was just imagining in my head, like, he walks away, Isis comes up, she has no idea Seth this, did this, and she's like, you've got to be kidding me, so she starts doing that, she pieces it back together, walks away again, Seth comes back, he's like, oh my god! <laughs> it's never ending! <laughs> So what did you know? Osiris returns, discovers the bodies missing, and begins her search once again to find Osiris. <laughs> However, this time she is not alone. Um, her sister, Nephthys, has Gross. learned that Set murdered Osiris, and she is not okay with that. Oh, but I thought she was in on it. Okay. She loved Osiris, so she decides to help. And I guess in some way, shape, or form, they find out that Set found the body and, like, tore it up into pieces and threw it all over the river. But somehow they know this. I don't know who saw them. Just got a feeling, I'm sure. <laughs> just a, there must be 14 pieces. I just have this feeling, guys. 14. <laughs> so, he's over there, and I think he's there, and I can feel him over there, too. Right. <laughs> So she actually enlists the help of her son, Anubis, who takes on the form of a jackal, and together the three of them hunt down the pieces of Osiris. So all together, over the course of however long this fucking takes, they were able to gather up 13 pieces, 
and had a priest in a temple from each area where they found a piece perform like rites in a funeral so that they could throw off Set to keep him from knowing that Osiris is being made whole. Because like if every place holds a funeral, he knows that the full body has to be there. They, they can't do a funeral for just a piece of his body. So like traveling to all of these places, he like has no idea what the fuck's going on. So Man, they only find 13 and they're his brother. <laughs> so this 14th piece was eaten by a fish. And when they find this out, this fish is forever cursed Aww. by the gods. Um I, wrong. I didn't look up what the fish is, but it is a fish in Egypt that they do not eat. I, I guess like Either it doesn't taste good or it's not edible. Like a gar. Yeah. Whatever this fish was, it's been cursed by the gods because it ate a piece of Osiris, right? So, <laughs> oh, we're going to get interesting here. As so, if we weren't already. <laughs> I remember some of that stuff, but I was like, hold, hold on to that. And I'm like, yeah. So Osiris gathers up the body parts that she has, lays them all out, and like, arranges them. Jesus kind of like stitch or bind them back together. And then she takes some dirt and crafts the 14th piece. Do you want to take a guess at what the 14th piece was? The penis! Yes! It was his dick. (laughs) 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 Sort of God. Oh. So Isis and Nephthys wrap the body in linen now that it's like been made whole. I guess using a dirt penis works in place of a real penis. They would do that too, if I remember correctly, with mummification. They'd like reconstruct the missing piece. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly why. See, like it all comes all comes in. Yeah, that all makes sense now. So they wrap the body in linen and then Anubis uses his powers to embalm the body, which is where the embalming comes from. Um, and then with their combined magic, they're able to briefly return Osiris's soul to his body. And he, like, embraces Isis and is like, oh my god, I love you so much. And he's like, you know, I'm dead. Like, I am not made to stay in this world anymore. Like, I'm here now, but I can't stay here. This is not my place. I, I wasn't destined for living, basically, is what he says to her. Um, like, she needs to let him move on. But, but, they have enough time for a quickie so that she can have a baby. With a dirt (laughs) penis! Of a dead person! (laughs) But, before you go, can you, like, totally get me pregnant? Yeah. So, when the deed is done and she's preggers, they wrap up his body and they hide him away, which allows him to pass to do what? Isis gives birth to Horus, and they take the boy to be raised in secret um, because they don't want Set to know that he lives. Because who's ruling right now? Is it Set? Set. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Horus, as he grew, was often visited by his father's spirits. Like he can't stay in the mortal war- mortal world 
and he like doesn't have a body but like he can appear as like an apparition or like a spirit of sorts if you will um so he teaches Horace how to fight um taught him strategy how to use like his cunning and his intelligence to overcome obstacles you know like brute force isn't always the way yada 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 because he knew that Horace would need everything he possibly could to destroy Set and end Set's reign because Set was a lot like Ra it's a really terrible ruler so when Horus is deemed ready to battle, which involves this really lengthy story that I didn't want to get into, but essentially they like, he keeps offering up like, what if a blah was attacking you? What creature would you take on? And eventually Horus gives him like a very cunning answer rather than just, oh, something bigger to eat him, you know, just like some bullshit like that. So Horus is able to gather up an army and he sets out to fight his uncle. And so like, it's this long, long journey through Egypt filled with battles everywhere of them just like encountering each other and their armies fighting and all of that. So finally, he comes head to head with Set on the Nile River. So Set takes on the form. I don't mean to laugh, but just this whole scene is just so ridiculous. He takes on the form of a giant hippo. So he's a giant hippopotamus. Hey, hey, hippos are not to be laughed at. Those things are vicious. And they will murder yep. you. Like, that's a good choice. He's a giant hippo, so big that he straddles the Nile River and just, like, lays down so that it, like, creates this block, but also, like, floods part of the Nile, right? So. Ooh, hold on. My laptop is no longer charging. <laughs> the cord fell! This is a hungry, hungry hippo. Okay, I'm back. We're good now. Sorry. That's my hungry hippo impersonation. Hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's blocking part of the Nile, forcing it, uh, forcing it to flood. Oh my god. So, he summons this great storm, and Set's plan is that, like, Horus can't see where he's going on the Nile, so their boat is going to, like, ram right into him and he's going to eat them. And then the storm's going to take care of the rest of his people. That's how this is all going to go down. Great A plan, right? Beautiful. So Horus on his boat is like, keep straight, right for set, like, right there. I see his uvula. Boom. That's where we're going. We're going to hit... I don't want to say that because that's inappropriate, but... (laughs) We're going right for his mouth. So then he takes on the shape of a man standing about 12 feet tall, wielding a humongous harpoon. I guess it's not humongous for a 12 foot man, but for like the normal person, it's a huge ass harpoon. So when Set opens up his mouth to swallow them, Horace throws this harpoon and impales Set right through the head and right through his brain and instantly kills him. He's dead. No more Set. So the Nile goes back to normal. The storm just fizzles out because the god of storms is no longer around. And Horus is praised as the new king and takes the place of his father on the throne. And I guess his uncle now. So Horus is the god of the sun and takes over Ra's place as the solar god. So he becomes the supreme ruler He's very much like Osiris rather than Ra, so he rules very kind, generous, he's helpful, all of that. And in a lot of versions, he is referred to as the first pharaoh of Egypt. 
So if you think back to this whole prophecy that um, Ra had, it's kind of this like progression of the child of my child, you know, is the one who takes over. So yeah. <clears throat> anyways, so I said that the afterlife was going to change. So we're going to hop back to that to finish out this story. So when you die in Egyptian, ancient, we'll go ancient Egyptian culture, you enter the hall of truth. This is where you were read your sins and you must deny them basically, yada, yada, yada. So Hor- Horus, <laughs> Osiris <laughs> um, is the one who kind of like rules over the underworld now. He like kind of replaces Hades um, or is the equivalent of Hades. He doesn't replace him. That'd be dope Hades? if he did, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. So Osiris is there for you to like pronounce, profess your innocence to. So you're not saying it to Mott, you're saying it to Osiris. But Osiris doesn't really care for what you say. He believes that weighing the heart is a much better judge of a person because if you have lived a good life, a truthful life, your heart will not be heavier than a feather. And that is why they do the weighing of the feather against the heart and then if you pass you get entered to do up so i know you kind of said this so we're going to go into this now so in egyptian culture the heart is seen as the vessel of knowledge so the brain is just kind of a random organ there they believe that the heart is where all knowledge comes from whether it be like knowledge of your ancestors your own personal knowledge whatever like it all comes from the heart and this is why the heart is the only organ that stays in your body when you are mummified. Everything else is taken out, put into jars, all of that. The heart stays inside of your body. So, now some people may ask, why do they mummify their people? So, I'm going to tell you why they mummify. So, eventually, Horus will pass away and he will enter Duat because the gods are not immortal. They will die. Um, his relationship with Set does not change, and they will continue to battle it out even in the afterlife. <laughs> Yay! So, so did, did Set have to go through the heart feather thing? Like, did he have to face Osiris? I don't know. Oh man, I want to know that one. <laughs> I don't know if the gods have to go through that or not, or if they're just sent to do all it. The only reason that Osiris... Well, see, he doesn't go through that either. He just goes to the place of testing. He's not, like, actually tested. Ah, uh, okay. But I had to mention it because, like, he becomes the overseer of those tests. Well, then, so... if they go to the place of testing, then technically there's a really good chance that Osiris was still just there and Set came and and Osiris is like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> I mean, Osiris was very kind and generous and didn't believe. So I mean, like, like they say, mm. like your words don't mean anything to him. It's all about your heart. So I guess depending on how you felt about it, your heart could be not heavier than the feather. Like if you thought you were like justified or something in it. He doesn't feel mm. bad about it. Anyway, in the afterlife, Set and Horus meet up and they still butt heads. They still go at it. You know. Um, So that final battle with like Set is the hippopotamus on the Nile is a lot of times referred to as the final battle. 
but a lot of people believe that the final battle is an event that is still yet to come, in which Set and Horus will again gather an army, and there will be a battle between the Earth and the Sky. That's what they call it, a battle between the Earth and the Sky. And all of their followers will rise up and fight with them. So the mummification of the bodies was a way to preserve them for this final battle that was yet to come. Zombies, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. but, a whole army of zombies. Yeah. But I feel like the like main reason, the main drive, is that it was seen as an honor to be prepared the way that Osiris was when you died. Because like we've come to find out through like you know people actually doing their research and stuff that it wasn't just pharaohs who were mummified they mummified like a lot of different people Mm -hmm. like just if you could afford the mummification ritual you got it it was just typically rich people who got it um but like that's why it was also so important to have the entire body at burial and like you said they would do like replacements for parts of your body that were missing but like you had to have everything when you died (laughs) Even your dick. If your dick is missing, you gotta get a dirt dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got good money. You can get one sculpted for you. And maybe add an extra inch or two. <laughs> yeah. You don't say anything about enhancing the things that you have lost. You just gotta, like, have it. So, like, if you lost a limb or something, you would have to hold on to that limb so that it could be buried with you when you died. Um, be mummified with you. Yes. Yeah. They were really good at preserving stuff, though. So, I mean, like, it wasn't, like, this, you know, rotted, decayed thing. Like, they would just stick the, like, I mean, preserved... it's so gross. ...jar like, there. <laughs> have your dick mummified on a shelf somewhere, <laughs> like... Uh. You know, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, so there you have it. This is my love story that transcends death. Um, Again, like... There are so many different versions of the Battle of Set and Horus. Like, this wasn't even the most fucked up version of this story. For reasons that I'm not even going to begin to go into, I did not go with it. Because I know I told you about it specifically last week. The Some of the fucked up shit. I was like, it just reads like bad fan fiction and I can't do that. <laughs> like, I was just like, what am I actually reading right now? Yeah. So there are like 20 official canon versions of the story of Horus. So this is like the origin story, if you will, for a lot of Egyptian culture and a lot of their beliefs. It sets up the afterlife, their mummification process, the line of the pharaohs, because they all descend from Horus, or not Horus, from Osiris. I keep messing up their names and they're not the same. (sighs) It heralds in the transition of the old gods to the new gods, um, and even kind of brings this belief that after death you are still important because there's still like a final battle to come. Um, so again, the story is technically not about Isis and Osiris; it's about the birth of Horus, his rise to power. But I've always viewed it as like a story that shows the links at which someone will go to bring back a person that they love. So. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, come back fully, but Osiris makes it her life mission to ensure that he is at peace in the afterlife, and that her son gets what he needs to, and that, like, she has that peace of knowing that he is safe where he is. So, that's my love wedding 
final episode tribute to Vi. Hopefully you have a love life that transcends death. But hopefully your brother doesn't murder your husband with a perfectly fit coffin. Yeah. And hopefully he doesn't like have his dick swallowed up by a fish and you have to make a dirt dick and then get preggers from said dirt dick. Technically, though, it's necrophilia because he was already dead. I know. That's why I had to put necrophilia on the tag. Well, we wish our Vi all the the not dead happiness in life. We wish them well. And we're going to go from this wonderful, love-filled month to February. Where we're going to just do tragic love. Because we can't be happy in February. You know, I was thinking about this on my drive home from work today, oddly enough. In that, I don't think I really believe in happy endings. Because no ending is really happy. Like, somebody is always unhappy. Always. Like, there's never really, like, a happy ending. Like, so Either, the happy ending depends on where you stop the story. Right, like, so, like, stop you, after they get married, or do you want to look at their well, life beyond that? And all I thought about that, and I was like, story. but, you know, there's no happy ending. Like, Cinderella has a happy ending. Like, she gets to marry her prince, but, like, her... You've seen Into the Woods, though, haven't you? I know, she but, like... technically doesn't. Her stepsisters... Her stepsisters don't have a happy ending. Like, unless you're talking about Cinderella 3, I fucking love it because I love Anastasia. I'm just saying. Most people like. But no, if you look at, like, Into the Woods, after they get married, Cinderella is deeply unhappy. She thought it's what she wanted, but it was it's not what she wanted. Yeah. So she winds up leaving the prince. Like, Yeah, I, again, I, I am of the belief that there is no happy ending. Like, no one, it, whether it be you, like, like, in Cinderella's case, Cinderella, or, like, the people around her. Like, there is no happy ending, you know? So, there are heroes and villains in every story. And sometimes they're not who you think they are. I'm looking at you, Dr. Oh. Horrible. Looking at you. Dr. Horrible's the best! It is! Uh, or sometimes you turn out to be the villain, and I will tell you, you are always the villain in someone. You have one person on this planet that you are yep. the villain. Yep. Mine was recent. (laughs) (laughs) See, I love Dr. Horrible, though, because I like the whole, like, playing on the trope of the hero that everyone loves who isn't actually a hero, and then the villain who gets shit on, but he's really a good guy. Yeah, and then he just sort of, like, fakes his way into... Yeah, like, you see see the the villain becoming a villain, because by the end of it, he becomes a villain, but, like... It's because he ripped out his heart, which is what he had to do. Though it was an accident, he didn't really want to do that. Yeah, I I like it. That that's my that's my trope. You know, there's no such thing as so. So we're starting off talking about tragic love with Doctor Horrible's sing along blog. (laughs) But starting next week will be my episode. Are you gonna go? What you're gonna do? Uh, yeah, we're gonna take a trip to the Paris Opera House. Fucking hate it. <sighs> Don't be excited. It's probably one of the most iconic love stories of our time. It's not a love story. It's a horror love. story. Love. I put no, no, no. So the musical is a love story. 
but the original story is a horror story, which is why I say it's, we're going to go and we're going to go ruin one of the most iconic love stories of our time. Because we're going to reclaim it because the musical is garbage. I love the musical. Fuck it's Andrew like- Lloyd Webber. His music is all shitty anyway. Come on now. Uh, Phantom is one of my all-time favorite musicals. And I was privileged enough to play a lot of music on my flute. So in band, which was wonderful to do. We absolutely, my best friend and I absolutely love it. But yes, um, we're going to dive into the Gaston LaRoe source material for the musical. It's going to be fun. I hate it. I hate Phantom. My coworkers <laughs> who watch this are just going to die hysterically because... If you need to drink first, it's okay. Yeah. The the phantom haunts me. Like I hate I hate it so much and like I cannot it's inescapable. I think that I have escaped the phantom and then he just like poof appears. What the fuck? <laughs> Every time. I'll see a meme somewhere or like somebody'll bring home a present and they're like, Look what I got you and I open it up and it's the fucking phantom keychain and I'm like, Why? Why does everyone insist that I like Phantom of the Opera? I do not. Phantom of the Opera is good. Love Never Dies, the sequel, is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Tune in next week to watch me torture Inky Doo. And um, that's all we have this week. See you next time. Bye.